This is episode 90, get out of over-responsibility and stop taking on other people's stuff with Candace. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. This episode is a must listen for anyone in a helping profession. Coaches, teachers, nutritionists, doctors, parents, yoga teachers, nurses, or basically anyone who feels deeply and wants to help anyone else who's struggling or suffering. And definitely be sure to listen to my breakdown after the call as well. But before we dive in, I just want to remind you to sign up for my weekly blog and vlog at christinehassler.com. Last week, I sent one out about how to make and nurture friendships. Friendships are such an important aspect of our life and often get neglected because we focus more on romantic relationships, family, and work. But friendship is a key ingredient to your emotional well-being and overall fulfillment, so don't neglect it. I was inspired to write about friendship after spending last weekend with one of my best friends. I was actually facilitating a retreat for young professionals that I do each year. And as part of that, I moderate a panel of successful people. Usually the company that hires me to facilitate the retreat selects the panelists, but this year one person fell through. So they reached out to me to select someone. Now, the choice was super challenging because I know a lot of really awesome people, but I ended up asking one of my besties, Melissa. First of all, because she's a total rock star in terms of her career, she runs one of the largest entertainment companies and is one of the very few female C-suite executives in the massive corporate conglomerate her company's a part of. Secondarily, she also has her master's degree in spiritual psychology that we actually met at the University of Santa Monica and brings compassion, femininity, and love to the workplace. And my final reason to bring her in is because years ago we were both very vulnerable and shared with each other that it's easy to talk about our struggles with people, but harder to share about our wins because we didn't want to feel like we were bragging or make the other person feel less than. But what we realized is that by not sharing our wins and celebrating them, we were not really truly owning them. So we made a pact to be that person for each other, to really own our awesomeness, whether it be about a huge win in our career, a financial success, a life-changing aha, or receiving some kind of acknowledgement or something really cool that our ego really, really liked. Basically, we made it safe for each other to shine with no jealousy, comparison, or self-consciousness. So being able to share this event with her and have her shine on the panel was something that truly made my heart smile. I'm so grateful for Melissa and all my friends and cannot emphasize enough the importance of healthy friendship that is based on vulnerability and shared values. So if you missed my blog and vlog about it, you can head over to christinehassler.com and get it. And also don't forget to subscribe to my YouTube channel, also Christine Hassler, so you immediately get alerted when I put new videos up. All right, shifting gears back to my coaching session with Candice, who is a health practitioner suffering from a lot of work-related anxiety. She is wondering how she can decrease the amount of anxiety she feels at work that comes from feeling responsible for helping people and questioning whether she is good enough to truly help them. 
We cover a lot in this call, including why we should not take on the responsibility for helping others, why it's important to be of service and not a savior, and what is truly at the root of a desire to help or save others. This is a really important call because some of the most common questions I get from those of you in the serving helping business is around how to not feel depleted or feel a ton of pressure or responsibility or take on other people's stuff. So as you're listening to this call, consider, do you enjoy helping people? So much so that you often get a little over-invested in making sure they change or heal. Does your sense of worthiness or value come from being needed by others or helping others? If you are in a healing or helping profession, do you ever feel like a fraud? Like you don't have what it takes to truly help? Do you suffer from anxiety at work? Or do you ever feel depleted or drained after being around someone who's struggling or suffering? Keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching session with Candace. Candace, welcome to the show. What's your question? Hi, Christine. It's less of a question that I have and more of an issue with anxiety and limiting beliefs that I'd like to have some assistance with. Okay. So I work in the alternative health field mm-hmm. and I, I see patients and I feel like I take on a lot of responsibility for, um, for helping them get better. And with that responsibility, I feel a lot of anxiety Mm. for me coming up with a treatment plan, you know, assessing their situation also, you know, um, like counseling and that sort of thing. Sure. feels like there's a lot involved and, um, it creates anxiety for me. Got it. And why did you get into alternative health? I think from the the physiology perspective, the the body just fascinates me and I I love that. And then I just, um, I also really enjoy helping people and helping them get to a place of of better health. Have you had a health struggle that alternative medicine has helped you with? Not, not particularly, like not, nothing major. Um, Just little things here and there, like tweaking my diet, just overall feeling better with energy and that sort of thing. Okay. Great. And have you thought any other reasons that you think that you might have gotten into this other than just liking alternative health and medicine? Anything around mm. caring for people or? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a big part of it. Just wanting, wanting to help people um, on their health journey to feel, to feel better. Okay. So let's just talk about the wanting to help people part. Okay. Mm-hmm. So do you have any sense of where that desire comes from? Like, what does helping people do for you? Hmm. Um, I guess it makes me feel better. Okay. How so? Um, yeah, I guess it makes me feel like I, I have a purpose and that I am, yeah, I think like part of a purpose. Okay, great. And why haven't you felt like that in the past? Like, let me ask you this. Growing up and in your life up till now, how old are you now? Uh, 32. Okay. Have you really felt like you've mattered? No. Tell me more about that. I think why I grew up as an only child and my parents, they divorced, I think when I was maybe around 13 or they they separated around that time. And I think like they were, they were quite supportive growing up, but also very emotionally unavailable. Mm -hmm. And what do you mean by not emotionally unavailable? Like what didn't you get? I feel like I always had to to beg to be played with, mm. you know, when I was younger. Mm. Um, 
so just just not being there in that emotional way um not feeling like I could go to either of them to talk about just anything mm-hmm. that was a bit more more deep I guess like feelings mm-hmm. yeah yeah and thank you for sharing that and thank you for acknowledging that because that that's hard to feel like you had to be begging to get any kind of attention mm-hmm. as a child is a really, really challenging thing to grow up with. So there was a lot of kind of loneliness. And mm. did you feel very, you know, deeply nurtured and, and cared for? I mean, it seems like your basic needs were met. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like your emotional needs, do you feel like those were right. nurtured and cared for? Um, I would say no, probably not. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So do you listen to the show? Yep. Okay. So based on what you just shared with me, where do you think this desire to help people, care for people is coming from? Not getting it myself and projecting that onto my my work field. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You're trying to give others what you didn't get. Mm-hmm. So... Right. Given that, can you see why the attachment to helping them, fixing them, the strong responsibility mm-hmm. you feel, can you see why that's so severe? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So tell me what you can see about that. Just kind of like you said, it's just that feeling that, that need and that void um, or feeling the need and then trying to fill that void for myself. Right. So if I am yearning for something that I didn't get that was such like a basic need as a kid. And I'm, you know, trying to get it through others. And it's something I've been longing for my whole, whole life. How high do you think my attachment to it's going to be? Very high. Yeah. So it's not so much that you're afraid you're not going to be able to help them or you're Mm going to, you know, let them down. It's that you're not going to get kind of the fix a feeling like you matter. Hmm. Yeah, I've never never actually thought about that that way. Is it making sense? Yeah. 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 So here's the beautiful thing. I can tell from your voice and I can just tell from your energy that you're a very compassionate and caring person. However, if you quote unquote, help people by taking on the responsibility for their journey, then you become like a savior versus a true helper mm-hmm. and a teacher. And like what I like to say, like a light worker, someone who's mm-hmm. serving other people. It's the difference between being of service and being a savior. And when we take on the responsibility of we've got to help them, it's incredibly draining. Do you feel drained at all at the end of a day? Uh, sometimes, yeah. And what makes you feel drained? For me, it feels like it's my own anxiety, my own thoughts, mm-hmm. just more emotionally, mentally, emotionally draining. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So I was facilitating a retreat this past weekend, and one of the women there who was, um, she was kind of like a sponsor of the event, she said, she's like, I'm just so tired. Listen to everybody. Aren't you just so drained? Aren't you just so tired? And I'm like, No. And she said, how are you not? And I said, because I'm here to serve. I don't take on their stuff. That doesn't make me not compassionate. That doesn't make me not want to help and not want to teach and not want to, you know, offer them things. But 
it's not our responsibility to make sure that the people change. And if we take on that level of responsibility, it's going to be mentally, emotionally, and physically depleting. Mm -hmm. So given everything we've talked about so far, and I'm asking you a lot of questions because you're, you're in this field and you're very intelligent, both intellectually and emotionally, given everything we've talked about, what do you think would be some things that you could start doing or practicing that would help you shift out of the limiting beliefs and out of some of the anxiety? Kind of what comes to mind, I think you've mentioned it um, to people before, is the, I guess, either conversation with your, your child self or having a picture. Well, I always have resistance to that that tool or the use of that. What do you think that resistance is? Probably because I need it. <laughs> <laughs> well, that and sweetheart, like if, if there's sadness there, mm-hmm. sometimes we don't want to feel that, you know, we don't want to yeah. go into that emotion. Mm-hmm. However, it's what you're so yearning for. And, you know, you're continuing to do to yourself what your parents did to you right? by not giving yourself that attention. And maybe you saw in your life that they showed up for other people. You know, I don't know if they got remarried. I don't know what their work life was like, but maybe you saw them, you know, being present, giving their time and energy to others and you felt neglected and Mm -hmm. you might be playing that out. You know, you're giving all your time and energy to your clients and patients, but where are you in the process? Right. Yeah. And I will tell you that the, the more you really show up for yourself, the better you will be to your patients and clients. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, well, if I don't care as much, I'm not going to be as committed. You actually are even more committed, but less attached. And what starts to happen is that when you're in service to someone, it's like the universe can also work through you. When our own egos attach too much to the identity of a caretaker or a helper, then there's less work from universe, higher power, whatever we want to call it, that can come through us because of our own attachment. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So one thing I really want to say to you is that it is not your responsibility for them to get better. Of course, it's your responsibility to listen. Of course, it's your responsibility to give them a treatment plan, but it's not your responsibility to fix them. Right. Mm-hmm. So what's coming up for you? What are you thinking as I'm sharing this? I'm wondering also how, how you separate those two, like that, those ideas or those thoughts or the desire to fix people from that responsibility. Well, let me ask you this. If I came on this call with the thought that I was going to fix you, that would also mean that I was making the assumption that you were broken and Mm -hmm. something was wrong with you. And that somehow you were ill-equipped to help yourself. Would you want me to have that belief and judgment about you? Uh, No. (laughs) What would you want me to think of you and believe about you? That I have the capability and the capacity to, to do those things, just requiring, you know, the assistance or the facilitation of moving in that direction. Right. A lot of times people want to get 
they want to know how to get rid of one belief. And it's more about building more kind of neural nets and thoughts and, and mm-hmm. building our brain to believe something better, to believe something more true. So for you, Candice, this is, this is about upping the beliefs about the people that you're serving and changing the way that you see them, really seeing them as totally capable of shifting their health if they choose to, seeing them as whole and complete, seeing them as not broken, and really seeing them as, you know, someone that you have, I like to call it like a divine appointment with, to exchange information. So you're seeing your clients and people as these people you have to save. It's almost like you're seeing them as the scared, neglected little girl that you are. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so how can you stop seeing them as that scared, neglected little girl? Well, you start to see that scared, neglected little girl inside of you and tend to her so that you stop projecting that image onto the people that come in. Mm-hmm. So one thing that I would advise you to do is to write out a lot of kind of new beliefs, more true beliefs about your patients, like what's really true about them. So you start to see them as, as whole and complete. And so you start to forgive yourself for buying into the misunderstanding that it's your responsibility to make them feel better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like, I like that. It feels, it feels better. Yeah. So when you see them, just close your eyes for a moment and imagine yourself at work and imagine a patient comes in, they have whatever health issue they have. And of course, you know, they may be in a little bit of victim and they may feel a little helpless. But if you're holding that space inside of you of wholeness, of completeness, of a belief in them, how do you think they're going to feel in your presence? I think more empowered. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because if they come in and they're kind of in their victim energy and they're kind of hopeless and you're holding the belief of, oh my gosh, I need to save them. Oh my gosh, I need to, you know have all this responsibility for making them better, then energetically, what do you think you're going to reinforce in them? That they lack the capacity to to do that for themselves. Right. You'll reinforce the victim and the hopelessness. Mm-hmm. Do you want to do that? No. Right. No. Right. So when you think about that, of really reinforcing that belief, first of all, everybody's on their own path. You can put so many options and ideas out in front of them, and it's up to them to choose. You know, I recently did a blog. I'll put a link to it in the show notes for this episode, but it was about how, you know, someone that I care very deeply about was suffering with something physically, and I kept putting all kinds of information in front of this person, and they just weren't taking any action. And I had to realize it was my attachment to not wanting to feel my own pain around what was happening to them that was making me so emphatic about, you got to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this. I was trying to save. I was totally trying to save. And I wasn't giving this person the dignity of their process. Mm-hmm. And so it's giving the people the dignity of their process. You might put lots of options in front of them and they may not choose to take them, but that is not your responsibility, Candace. And you are not a failure if they don't. Right. So when you think about it that way, how does the anxiety feel? It starts to feel better, a bit more calm inside. 
Yeah. And this may take a little, you know, this was just sort of your first aha moment about all this. So Mm -hmm. it may take some time for you to work with this. And also like, again, until that relationship with that little one inside of you starts to shift, she may not trust you and may still want to be getting that fix from other people. So I really recommend, you know, every morning you just check in with yourself and, and what currently are your self-care, self-nurturing practices? How, how emotionally available are you to yourself now? Like just your grown up self in your daily life, or do you spend most of your time caring about other people? Probably the latter for sure. Okay. Well, so then the other thing that I'd like you to do is make a list of the things you're going to start to do for yourself, your own self-care. Okay. One of the things that I teach in terms of a self-care plan is to pick one thing to stop, one thing to start, and one thing to modify. Mm, yeah, I think I was just getting to that point in your in your book again. Ah, good. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Perfect timing. Mm-hmm. So what are your action steps moving forward? Just like you, you said, so creating a list uh, related to self-care and also just starting to work with my little girl self and also working with the beliefs of um, not trying to fix or take on that responsibility with patience. And I really like the idea of starting to visualize or, you know, see the patients, you know, as whole, as complete, not requiring fixing from me. Exactly. And write that list, like your new beliefs about your Mm -hmm. clients and read it, like look at it before they come in every day and really, really connect to that. Mm -hmm. You know, and the last step, since you have expectation hangover would be to work with the forgiveness of your parents. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Because there's a part of you that's still kind of clinging to wanting that you know, Mm -hmm. you're kind of making your clients, your parents, (laughs) (laughs) you don't want to do that. So working through the forgiveness would be another great step. Okay. Do you have a relationship with your parents now? Um, yes. Yeah. It's, it's okay. (laughs) Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. How would you like it to shift? Hmm, that's a good question. Well, I'd actually, I had sent in, in the coach's corner email a little while ago mm-hmm. um, about just the, the healthy boundaries with my mom. Ah, so, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So that's kind of where that is. Um, and then I still feel like with my father, it's that uh, emotional unavailability, though, um, just based upon his circumstances, he's changed where he's more emotionally available, but it just, it feels odd for me. Okay. So as you start to work with this and as you work with kind of those old hurts, that might shift. You might be more open to having him in your life now. Mm-hmm. The thing is there's still anger there. Mm-hmm. And so you want to work with that as well. And I'm so glad you have expectation hangover because you can work with the temper tantrum technique and the mm-hmm. release writing on all of that. And I know yeah. this is a lot. I don't want to throw too much at you. So I think the first thing to shift, like you said, is connecting with that little girl, really being attentive to her, not neglecting her. No more neglect, Candace. <laughs> Anytime mm-hmm. you neglect yourself, you're reactivating that core wound. So you've, that's like 
No bueno. Got to stop. Your self-care practice will help with that, but it can't just be about, you know, I get a massage and I, you know, journal. It's really got to, you've got to connect with that little girl and not neglect yourself. And then when you do your self-care practice, stick to it. Because mm-hmm. anytime you skip it, it's going to be reinforcing, I'm not here for myself. Right. Write out those new beliefs about your clients and work with the forgiveness of parents. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. Are you going to work today? No, day off today, actually. Okay. Tomorrow? Yes. Okay. So just close your eyes and tell me how you feel about going into work. Like, what do you feel? What do you experience? What do you see? I feel more calm internally. Um, and also what I think might be more important for me is just feeling more equipped to handle the, those feelings and those thoughts, Mm. um, those anxious thoughts. Beautiful. And you will be of such better service to these people when you come in really seeing them as whole and complete and not your responsibility to save. Yeah. Thank you. First, I acknowledge Candace for the work she's doing in alternative medicine and honor her desire to help people. It's beautiful. And my encouragement to her is not to squelch that call, but to shift it into serving people. Because the more of us who come from that perspective of service and connection rather than savior and helping, the healthier of a planet we will have. So let's break down this call a little bit. One of the most important questions I ask her is, why did you get into alternative health? As you heard, we really uncovered the deeper why as to what attracted her to this field in terms of what she was hoping to get from it. It took me asking her a couple different ways, but eventually the question, what does helping other people do for you, was when the aha moment started to roll in. She said, it makes me feel like I have a purpose. Listen, purpose is wonderful, but when your purpose is tied to core issues from your past, that you're attempting to heal through your work, you will perpetuate an unhealthy attachment to your work and probably suffer from the kind of anxiety and not enoughness that Candace is experiencing. In Candace's case, her unresolved hurts around her emotionally unavailable parents that were not nurturing and who she felt she had to beg for attention are creating a huge attachment to her work. And anytime we have huge attachment, we feel a huge burden of responsibility which then creates self-doubt because we are taking on way too much responsibility. We become saviors rather than truly being of service. I reminded Candace that it's not our responsibility to make sure that people change. It's also not our responsibility to make sure they do not suffer. I know this is really, really hard. It hurts to see other people suffering, but we cannot take away other people's pain and feeling their pain for them or with them does not help. What does help? Compassion really holding space for the suffering rather than taking it on. What also really, really helps is dealing with our own suffering and wounds so we don't get so triggered by other people's pain. Candace is a little afraid of her own suffering. She hasn't yet gone back and nurtured her little girl. You heard her say she resisted doing the picture work where she goes back and talks to her younger self. And the longer she suppresses it, the more uncomfortable she gets with it the more uncomfortable it will feel to be with clients who are suffering and the more anxiety she will experience because she just wants to fix them and stop their suffering. The more comfortable we get with our own suffering and move out of it, the more we can hold a space of love and compassion for others and not take their suffering on. 
This is the main reason why I can hold space for so much. I've heard some really awful things that people have gone through. And it's gotten easier to hear those things because I've dealt with a lot of my old core wounds and old suffering. So I'm not triggered. I'm not activated by their suffering. I can really just love them through it. Another thing I want to highlight is if we take on the belief that it's our responsibility to fix someone, then we're also coming from the assumption that someone is broken and not equipped to really heal themselves. This is not an empowering way to see someone. One of the biggest gifts we can give to anyone, clients, patients, friends, partners, children, is to see them as whole, complete, and having all the inner resources they need. People save themselves. Let me repeat that. People save themselves. We love, we support, we educate, we remind, we empower, but we can never truly save anyone. And if you continue to take that on, you will continue to feel anxious because you are taking on a massive responsibility that does not belong to you. So some action steps for you. Give your younger self the attention and love that it needs so you're not looking to go help others when the person you really need to help is you. Move into forgiveness of anyone from your past that's reinforcing the negative pattern of taking on responsibility. Get crystal clear on what your responsibility is and what is not your responsibility. And make sure you have great self-care practices. I see a lot of healers and caretakers put themselves last on their list. So up your self-care game. An easy way to do it is to pick one thing you want to stop doing, one thing you want to start doing, and one thing you want to modify or change that you're doing that will up your self-care and your relationship with yourself. Do that one thing in each category, stop, start, change for 40 days, and you will start to experience a different level of trust and self-love. All right, so those are your action steps and one more action step. If you found this episode helpful and you think another caretaker, light worker, coach, or healer could benefit from it, please share it. The show grows because of you, because you share the episodes that touch you, because you leave ratings and reviews, and I appreciate it so, so much. Sending you all so much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you, so please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings. Blessings.